Welcome to Y'all Heard. Heard. What kind of podcast is this, Pete? This is a podcast in which two friends try to convey new truths of the world around you so that you can impart those truths upon your friends in conversation and look like a genius. I don't know if they're always truths. Let me just say that. Emotionally, they are truths. (laughs) Wait, wait, I forgot my own tagline. Oh, We tell you about things you didn't know you needed to know. Today's icebreaker topic comes to us from Daniel. Marissa, please tell us what it is. Uh, Daniel said, what is the closest you've ever come to being in jail? And Marissa started rattling them off about me. Uh, Yes, you've done a lot of things. I do not know what her answer is. But uh, yeah, she apparently has been chronicling my... Illegal antics for years. Probably when you throw the things off the roof onto Pete. That was a water balloon. That was more and like a snake. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> and snakes. He was throwing plastic snakes onto people. And what? I'm sorry. Let me not steal your thunder. <laughs> Tell everyone what got you the closest to being arrested. My the thing that came to mind for me is that when I was a kid, I stole a comic book, and it was a pornographic comic book, Ooh. which makes it funnier to me. Except then, (laughs) I went back, and I was a kid, and I was... Okay, when I say I was a kid, I was probably, like, 13. Um, I I knew that stealing was wrong, so I went back, and I left money on the counter. That's adorable. While nobody was around at the counter. And and so, like, I don't really know if I stole it or not, but... Was it at a porno store? Were you secretly. getting porno comics? No, no, it was actually at a comic book store, and they had boxes and boxes and boxes oh. of like old comic books that nobody was going to buy, and they were like a dollar a piece or something. Um, and this was just kind of mixed in there. And what did you put like in your pants? Like, where, how did you take it out? Maybe I was still wearing starter jackets. <laughs> they had those big pockets. <laughs> nice. Okay. I had an Orlando Magic one. Thank you. That's kind of awesome. I think I always wanted one of those. So, Marissa, what's your answer to this question? Um, it's not that exciting, but unless I'm missing something, um, when I used to hang out with people who like to quote-unquote squat in places all the time, they were really big to going to abandoned buildings. One day they wanted us to break into some abandoned train cars. So I broke into some abandoned train cars, but then cops noticed. So cops, like, chased to an extent, it wasn't like a dramatic chase. Like we were like, oh, but basically cops were coming in our area. So we had to like run away so we didn't get arrested for trespassing. I mean, it's not that exciting, but that's, yeah. I trespassed a lot in college. That, that was my drug. As a food photographer myself, uh, especially living in a place with so many abandoned buildings, I would love to be more courageous and do what you used to do because I feel like I could get a lot of nice uh, sandwich portraits in some of these locations. But I could hook you up with some people. That, I think, is what I'm missing because <laughs> if people were with me, I would probably be a little more inclined to do so. Yeah. I mean, if oh, the cops run me. after just me, they're going to get me. But if people I scatter... <laughs> I came closer... For a band photo shoot, my me, my two friends, and my brother, we lit a piano on fire in the woods. The fire department got called. 
and we had a bunch of beers out in a bucket. <laughs> the bucket <laughs> that was there to put out the fire, just in case. No, I was one person was drinking the beers. It wasn't even me. And the fire department came, saw our beers. My friend realized he was caught, so he offered a beer to the fireman, <laughs> and then we just went home. Nothing happened. It was so weird. There you go. So, yeah. That was Danger a... averted. Thank you, yeah. Daniel, for that icebreaker submission. If you'd like to yes. submit an icebreaker question for us, you can call us at 570-POD-WAD-1. And the reason that I mentioned that up front is because nobody's calling us. Yeah, guys, one, one. I know you're listening, one. <laughs> Call I'm us like, with an icebreaker question. I was just like, maybe it's because it's at the end of the show and people aren't listening uh, that long. Or maybe people go like, oh, this is the old roundup. Let me, uh, you know, go eat oh, banana. <laughs> but okay, so call. Galito, you're on putting on blast also. Okay, so who starts this week? I pick you. This week we're talking about light and dark. So since I'm a dark person and Pete's a white person... Not by choice. (laughs) I'll just be honest. I've researched better. (laughs) But sometimes I pick topics that are so dear to me that I get overwhelmed. And then I somehow do a shitty job. (laughs) But okay. I will start this with a personal story like I like to do. So one time, I was hanging out with my two friends. And, uh... I decided we should do magic. Uh, I was in the dollar store and I bought something called Florida water, which I wanted because it smelled good. But then I Googled it and found out it was used in uh, magic. Specifically, Puerto Ricans seem to use it a lot. Um, So I looked up a quote-unquote spell to do with it. And all you had to do was put the Florida water in either a cauldron or a um, cast iron pan, light it on fire, and then, like, bathe your hand in the heat that emanated off the fire. Water doesn't so catch on fire. Oh, but Florida water is like a, it's like an alcohol thing. Anyway. Okay. So we all got together. We didn't ha- use a cauldron. Someone bought like a like a pan you make eggs in. But anyway, so we all got together. But right from the start, before we did it, uh, I could tell we were not on the same page. I was like, guys, let's do this magic thing for luck. Like, just for fun. And I was like, Let, let's follow the spell and let's do it. And my one friend, Eric, if you're listening, I'm putting you on blast. Uh, recently, I learned about something called chaos magic, which I'm not talking about today. If you want to learn about that, that's a whole other thing. Uh, but that's basically where you, like, become your own god. And the magic is within you and you shape reality. So he was interested in that, which is not what I said we should do. And my other friend was like, yeah, let's do magic. Let's curse people and make people, like, suffer. (laughs) So I was like, ooh, this doesn't sound right. So anyway, so I told you. Simply, we needed to light the Florida water on fire and put our hands over it. So I'm like, let's do it, guys. And my friend Eric is like, I don't even need to do it. The magic is in me. I'm going to be the one that lights the Florida water on fire because I'm going to make the magic happen. I don't need the magic to work for me. And I'm like, what are you saying? It's not a yeah, thing. That, that's that very doesn't circular, fit. Eric. <laughs> yeah, so he did that. Then I did it like I was supposed to. And then my friend mocked it the whole time, my other friend. So, Pete, do you remember what the results were? I'm sure I told you about this. I, you, I recall the Florida water, uh, but I do not recall the conclusion. I will okay. say, I, is this the time when you had like a horn growing out of your head? <laughs> no, it was a different time. Just kidding, guys. 
So the plan was to go to a casino afterward. And not only did we not make any money, and not only did we lose all of our money instantaneously, but we actually owed money. <laughs> we actually went to a casino unknowingly that we needed to pay to get into. So we paid like $15 to enter the casino, then lost all of our money instantaneously. After it didn't work, we all got into like a friendly, but not always friendly, argument about who effed it up. <laughs> and we all kind of like argued about like what magic is. And basically I concluded that my friends were only interested in magic that was malicious and evil. And also I found out that my one friend wants to be a god, which is very troubling. Yeah, I've seen the craft and Eric was in the wrong. Oh, oh, for sure. <laughs> so basically We still I was, love you though, Eric. Yeah, we do love you, but that was a dark day. So I basically So I was like, guys, guys, like we're coming from two different directions. And the argument just kind of died out because we were all just like arguing based on like things that we assumed or like things that me and Eric learned on a podcast that was teaching us about magic. So we didn't really have much arsenal to keep arguing. So I figured I would tell people a little bit about black versus white magic because I'm, I'm not a person who does magic. I just wanted to do this one little thing one time. But if we were to break it down, I definitely was on the light side and my other two friends were on the dark side. Before I start, Pete, just taking a guess, what do you think is the difference? I feel like it is kind of like obvious, but what do you think is the difference between black right. and white? Right, based on contemporary American societal construct, black is obviously evil magic, and yeah. white magic is good magic, uh, except, you know, we don't have to necessarily follow Donald Trump's vision of black and white. Uh, we can also follow the Wizard of Oz, right? Glinda. The Good mm -hmm. Witch, she was in bright, light colors, and we had yeah. uh, The Wicked Witch of the West, she was all dark and green and stuff, uh, which I realize green is not one of the options, but uh, is there a rainbow spectrum of magic? Perhaps. I'm not really quite sure. Uh, if so, equal marriage. Well, oh. I would say, so there's black and white magic, there is gray magic, and there is separate things called like left hand path magic versus right hand path magic but i'm only going to do black and white because i could go on for freaking days and chaos magic <laughs> is what eric was interested in where you basically bend your own reality and i think you could become crazy very fast you don't need but magic for that just do drugs oh okay. yeah i suppose so yeah eric so, yeah. don't do drugs <laughs> yeah okay so black magic generally kind of has become i feel like a catch-all term to an extent um, that people use to define magic or rituals that they basically disapprove of in general. Like, uh, religious groups, would, I feel like most would consider, like, all magic evil and perhaps, like, put it all under black magic. But specifically, that black magic or dark magic relates to a magic that deals with supernatural powers or magic for either evil or at least selfish purposes. And it is generally considered the malicious counterpart of benevolent white magic. In the book Magic and Alchemy by an occult scholar named Robert M. Place, he says that the origins of black magic can be traced back to the primitive worship of spirits. Unlike white magic, which kind of parallels like old world shamanistic efforts um, that want to become closer with spiritual beings, black magic rituals actually want to invoke the spirits to do something beneficial to them. So black magic is not just like, ooh, let me reach out to these spirits. It's let me reach out to these spirits 
so they can do something for me. So like, you know, like a very dramatic horror movie example would be like, oh, I sold my soul to the devil so I could make a million dollars. Like that would be some like dark magic shit. Basically, black magic puts an emphasis on selfishness, which I would say summed up that day with my friends. That's what I would say. <laughs> it seems um, like uh, the activity of going to a casino afterwards really primed everybody up for well, some sense of selfishness. Yeah, yeah, good point. <laughs> a lot of groups see all magic as evil and as black magic, um, in particular, like in the Renaissance period. Harry Potter. And yeah, I mean, actually, yeah, I went to a church that said like Harry Potter was evil. They said Pokemon was evil. They said Sailor Moon was evil. Fantasia. They said, yeah, anything with any element of magic was evil. And when people use ma- black magic in the Renaissance time, they usually reserved it for um, like thoughts of people invoking demons or other evil spirits. Though it could also like refer to hexing or cursing neighbors or, or doing a curse to destroy crops or something. Um, and there's also something else considered black magic um, from like renaissance time um, when those who are apparently capable of leaving their earthly bodies and traveling great distances in spirit usually to engage in devil worship is that a thing that anyone actually thinks happens yeah why don't you just worship the devil in your body why yeah, don't you go someplace like, else why would you need to leave your body to do that i don't understand i mean like i prefer to do it in my bedroom rather than like the living room but yeah like <laughs> i just walk in there <laughs> But basically, in Renaissance time, um, black versus white magic, or just basically black magic, was more closely tied to the rituals and, like, how you practiced it and if it seemed like a sinister way of practicing it. But in more modern times, the delineation basically is more dependent on what is your intent. So whether it's a selfish intent or a selfless intent. It's like murder versus manslaughter, guys. I I suppose. (laughs) Um, In in the book I referred before, Magic and Alchemy, Place uh, gives another definition uh, referring to white magic as high magic and black magic as low magic, uh, as another reference to um, the intentions of the practitioner. So some examples of black magic practices and rituals include true name spells. Uh, This is a theory that knowing a person's true name allows control over that person. I've never heard of that in a spell, but I mean, that is what relates to, like, Rumpelstiltskin. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah you're right, demons. Yeah, <laughs> and Rumpelstiltskin. If you know his name, you take control of him. Demons, if you know their true name, um, you can banish them. But, like, don't people just generally have, like, who's hiding their name? I don't know, whatever. Anyway, necromancy. Especially today, you could just, like... Google them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Necromancy, uh, which is basically magic... Um, linked to the dead oh, or the, the act dead. of raising a dead body um i i was, I was already i read about this one a little bit which i was like this is self-explanatory but it was just kind of like interesting reading it it was like this one is inherently evil because in order to test the effectiveness you need to kill the person and i was like oh yeah, yeah i'm sure you can find enough dead people around i mean yeah um oh no 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 i'm sorry i messed that up that was the immortality one Necromancy uh, to do with dead people. The immortality one, in order to test that one, you have to try and kill someone. So right, I, that I, makes sense. Yeah, hey, I, I just did an immortality spell on you, and I'm going to shoot you now just to yeah. try it out. If any magic people are listening, I'm sorry, I said that wrong. They're and like also, freaking out. My I'm my Twitter's sorry. already blowing up for those who can listen to this live, <laughs> which is nobody. <laughs> I was, uh, 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 unless they're practicing black magic. <laughs> Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
my grandma also used to see a spiritualist a lot. And like, it's, you know, it, my family would have differing opinions on whether or not that was good or bad. Cause almost every one, every one of my grandma's daughters has had supernatural experiences that I think they all think are kind of intertwined. So I find that interesting to kind of like see where certain things lie, where you think they would classify. And one of their neighbors, one of, one of your cousin's neighbors, right? Practices black magic in the backyard. <laughs> my cousin's neighbors are definitely brujeria people. Um, and they like sacrifice chickens and they chant and do weird shit, but I don't know like what exactly that is. You think and that's some... to, you think that's to the light? <laughs> yeah, you're right. I'm killing a chicken for the <laughs> light. Right. No. Yeah. I think it's some like weird voodoo, Hispanic voodoo <laughs> shit. You're right. They're not, you're right. So yeah, my cousin lives next to people practicing dark magic. We won't say like, which for one. Real guys, it's like a cult. There's like a church. My cousin lives next to like a black magic church anyway. hey speaking of which i'm pete phillips oh and i'm Rose phillips <laughs> and we're not related <laughs> <laughs> but to wrap up black magic modern day wiccans distance themselves from black magic those who want to do harm or evil are less likely to be accepted into mainstream wiccan circles and um what's more accepted is benevolent uh white magic um if you've ever seen the craft they start out with white magic intentions and it ends up getting dark and they end up dabbling in black magic and then shit gets gray. Going on to white magic, it is to use supernatural powers or magic for selfless purposes. And it is the benevolent counterpart of black magic. And it has traditional ties to like pagan nature, nature worship. So white magic can also be referred to as natural magic. And white magic is said to possibly have originated, like, in the polytheistic traditions of ancient Egypt. Because um, it's, like, linked to early worship of gods and goddesses of fertility and vegetation, who used to be um, worshipped on, on shrines. So in the Magic and Alchemy book that I keep referencing, uh, Place says that the purpose of white magic is to do good. Or bring the practitioner to a higher spiritual state of enlightenment or consciousness. So you can either be helping others... Or you could be helping yourself, but in a way that does no harm to anyone else. Okay, so white magic kind of has links to old world shamanistic magic. And it's a type of magic that helps others. For example, curing illnesses or injury, um, interpreting dreams, helping people find lost items, uh, like making peace like with spirits, or generating good luck and well-being. At the casino. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure what, where... I don't know where that, that would have lied, if that would have been white, black, or gray. I, I honestly don't know. But, okay, so practitioners of white magic tend to uh, avoid causing any form of harm, uh, even if it would enact positive outcomes. Gray magic, which I'm not going to get into really, but gray magic, um, it's to do good, but apparently, like, if evildoers get in your way, you can, like, harm them. Like, that. that's... I find that interesting. Like Malcolm X versus MLK. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Martin Luther King's white magic, Malcolm X is gray magic. Yeah, gray magic incorporates all the beneficial purposes of white magic, but also works towards ridding the world of evils. But like, so, so, just to clarify, if I was like, well, I want to practice some white magic and make the world a better place by, like, putting off some spell that kills somebody who I think is a problem, that is dark magic. I guess... From what I know, and again, if someone knows magic, feel free to correct me, I would say it would depend whether or not your intentions were true, whether or not it would lay in 
lie in gray or black, but it definitely wouldn't be white, yeah. Okay, so what if I just pray that they get impeached then? <laughs> huh, impeachment is a car. <laughs> move on. You can move yeah, on. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Fun fact about white magic. My father is basically raised by someone who practiced white magic. She was like a healer in the town. She was like the lady who did that in her in her like city or village in Puerto Rico. And I think that's like so awesome. And I'm always like want stories from my dad, but he's just like, I don't know, she just did the stuff. Except that one time The only thing is only one time he had tetanus. Like he's so casual. He's like, Yeah, I had tetanus and she like made it go away with her stuff. And I was like, What do you mean? He's like she just like put some herbs and like said some stuff and the tetanus slowly rid out of my body. And I was like, What? Like, yeah, whatever. That's where it ends because, like I said, this wasn't my strongest episode. I think you did a fine job. Also, my brother and mother, who my mother occasionally listens, my brother listens. I would just like to clarify: I don't practice magic. <laughs> I just did a thing once because, uh, yeah, my family worries a lot. I feel bad about it because, like, you have like a bunch of crazy people out there with guns who want to blow things up. And, like, those are the things that we tend to see and hear about and all impact, everything like that. And to me, those are, like, obviously not magic, but, like, dark forces. And then you have lighter forces, more positive forces, and those are people who are going around just being, not just, I'm sorry, just is a dismissive word, but (laughs) being nice to people and, you know, being charitable and everything like that. And it's just a shame that, uh, you know, yeah, everybody tends to associate magic with all this dark stuff instead of the light stuff. So thanks for bringing us into the light. Guys, I just want to say this is the weirdest link ever. I was like, Pete, I'll pick a different topic. I'll pick a different topic. He's like, no, I'm going to make it work. Nope, I'm going to make it work because I am here to talk to you today about the light and dark of Kids Bop. Was it two episodes ago? I don't know. We tried to just keep our eyes open about what we're going to, what we might talk about in a particular week. And I put this on my list and... I don't know a lot about Kids Bop. All I know is that it's usually a punchline a lot. People are always like, it, making fun of Kids Bop. Isn't it just regular music that already exists and some kid sings it? Yeah, if you want to be curt about it. I mean, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and that would be a delightful, positive way to think about the experience. But it does get a little dark, as can I'm just, sure you would not be surprised. Can I ask right off the bat... Do they do If You Want to Be My Lover? Probably. Victoria Beckham is a fan, so I presume that, you know, that's probably part of the reason why. Why do you know that? Because I did research, you know? One of us did some research, okay? Yeah, oh, you can tell me that? Last week, you were doing research, like, right up to the moment, okay? Shut up. After attending a New York University School of Law, Chenfield and Balsam, who are two guys... (laughs) wanted to get into the music business because they like music balsam (laughs) balsam yeah like the tree yeah um they um they dabbled in the the music industry by by like playing in bands and like trying to work at record stores and things like that so they liked music but they practiced law i'm so sorry (laughs) life is so difficult that you're gonna make tons of money um and so what they ended up kind of coming to as a compromise was this uh, idea of starting an entertainment company, basically. Okay. Uh, and they represented a few different people. And, you know, one day they were just sort of sitting around. And they started with this uh, 
compilation of songs from the 70s that they liked in the, from the 70s, and they were like, people should hear these today. So they just compiled the songs, just like, you know, uh, now that's what I call music or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were the actual songs. Um, and then later on, yeah, they were just like, you know what? We should have kids singing pop songs because kids want to listen to kids singing songs. Um, Do kids want to listen to kids? That's debatable. <laughs> and then also, yeah, that kids can't necessarily hear all the songs that are on the radio because of their questionable content. And so they embarked on this journey of kids bop and they started releasing albums. And for the first, uh, I feel like it's the first 12 albums, it was just sort of an exercise and they sold okay, but not really super well. And then they just blew up. They just blew the hell up. And then people were talking about it and complaining about it and everything like that. It was being reported on MTV news and things like that. Why was it reported on MTV News? Because in 2006, they rec- they reported uh, that the tentative track list for Kids Bop 10 contained Fall Out Boy's Dance Dance, a song which includes the lyrics, I only want sympathy in the form of you crawling into bed with me, and why don't you show me a little bit of spine, I don't understand what that means, uh, you've been saving for this mattress. <laughs> what does that mean? Uh, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, Fallout Boy bassist lyricist Pete Wentz goes on the website and he goes, We don't know what's going on with this because they can use a song without your permission. However, I can't imagine some kids singing, crawling into bed with me at all. If they change the lyrics, I think they have to get permission. We're looking into it. So basically he was like, Yeah, no, I don't want them including this song on there, but I can't do anything about it. Did it make it on there? Because no. if so, I'm... Oh, I'm so sad. Because not the <laughs> lyrics. But the, like, cadence of that song is so weird that yeah. I cannot imagine a group of children, like, singing There's that. There's a number of them that don't work. Yeah. <laughs> a second, um... Like an Adele song. Even, I'm sorry, an Adele song. I hope it's like, and I said something to the rain. I said fire to the rain. I hope it's that <laughs> one. Why don't you need permission? Right. So, that takes me to... A four-year-old post on Reddit, uh, which I guess this is interesting. <laughs> uh, this guy posted a thing. It says, I worked for Kids Bop for three years. Ask me anything. And he goes on to explain that from 2006 to 2009, which is Kids Bop releases 10 through 15 um, and compilations that happened in between that, that period of time. Uh, he worked for them and he said, he explains that Um, And this, you know, I looked it up to verify that it's true. Uh, Blah, blah, blah. By U.S. law, you are legally allowed to cover songs under a compulsory license. So getting permission really isn't the issue. Plus, if they want to get copyright permission, they have to talk to the person who owns the copyright, not necessarily the band. Wow. Who might not own the copyright. Yeah. At least with artists that I listen to, they tend to own their own content. And so... You know, um, I would think that they would, you know, be a little bothered by that. But for all intents and purposes, no, you don't have to. Um, if you make money off of it, uh, then I, be- I, I would assume that you have to provide some sort of uh, a cut. If you put it on a, if you take the original song and you put it on a soundtrack, for example, then you have to compensate the band because you're actually using their material. But yeah. if you like a song that a band plays and you pay another band to play it on a soundtrack, then you apparently don't have to worry about that as much. Yeah. The people that own Kids Bop 
which is Chenfield and Balsam, uh, own a company that is called Razor and Tie. So Razor and Tie is the sort of umbrella company that owns. Some of them is just representing artists like Selena Gomez. They're like, yeah, we're Selena Gomez's management. Okay. And and we also make kids bop. We got a studio down the hall. That's where all the little kids go to sing their songs. So yeah, kid, the, the other interesting part of Kids Bop right now is that it is 2017. Uh, Marissa, when was the last time you bought a brand new physical CD? Oof, um, actually three years ago, but considering that their number one sales medium, I suppose, is still a physical CD. What? Kids need to hold something. I'm telling you. But well, no kid is buying themselves kids. This stop. is the dark. <laughs> no, parents are buying it. Why are parents buying it? Well, I don't yeah. know. Why? <laughs> because let's just use uh is I hope it's the name of the song, Set Fire to the Rain. <laughs> like my kid doesn't need to hear that song. My kid doesn't understand that song. It's not <laughs> like it's got a catchy beat where I want them bebopping around the house singing it or anything yeah. like that. Let's use Uptown Funk instead, though, right? I could see my kid walking around singing that, but I also don't want my kid talking about pouring some liquor in the cup or something like that, like Bruno Mars does in the song. Although my kid could. I'm fine with that. Pete, shut up. (laughs) I'm not going to give him liquor to pour in the cup, but I'd get a kick out of him walking around singing it. Um, The idea is that they like want to expose kids to songs in some way. So there actually becomes this... Uh, sort of gray area where people go to, you know, the razor and tie owners. They go like, who the hell do you think you are that you get to curate what these kids listen to? But if you think about it, if you're an artist and you just released a song and you're trying to build a fan base and everything like that, and then Kids Bop takes one of your songs and puts it on their album, it might be pretty good for you. I mean, yeah, I'd agree. It'd probably be really good for you. Yeah. So is it something that you should be fighting or is it something you should be supporting? Uh, plus, I mean, I think the general gist that I got out of this, I believe I told you partway through the day, I had listened to, at what, what time? At, at about lunchtime, I think, um, or right before lunchtime, I decided that for the rest of the day I was just going to listen to Kids Bob so I would be prepared for this podcast. Yeah. And I got through, they're on, I think they're on 30, oh, I can't remember now. Let me just bring up Spotify. <laughs> I am in okay. a private session in Spotify so that my list doesn't get uh, compromised, <laughs> my uh, my taste profile. They're on Kids Bop 36, came out this Gosh. year. I had to go to 31, I think, before I actually recognized a song. So I am personally very disconnected from pop music. So. Yeah. Evidently, I don't know any songs on the radio, uh, and maybe if I did, I would recognize their original version, but not kids singing them. So it took a really long time for me to even recognize a song that was going to be on uh, a Kids Bop album. So I'm not the target demographic. Neither are you, Marissa. They actually identify their target demo as... (laughs) Who is your... (laughs) What is your who? Their target demographic is kids, I believe it says 8 to 12 years old. No, 12-year-olds want to hear Katy Perry. They don't want to hear their friend singing Katy Perry. They're not allowed to hear Katy Perry. We have to put kids singing Katy Perry in front of our kids. But then why wouldn't we just have kids listening? Like, when I was five, 
I was listening to Mickey Mouse and Goofy sing Skip to My Lou. Right. Like, if we're going to have them listening to baby voices, why don't we just have them listening to more innocent songs? I would rather have my child listen to Skip to My Lou than I Set Fire to the Rain. <laughs> Skip to <laughs> My Lou, by the, the way, side. if you're not familiar, is a song about uh, skipping, you know, playfully on the way to the bathroom. It's a British song. Is that? No, it's not. Is it really? <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> Which takes us to the darker side of Kids Bop, Marissa. If you are a band today and you make an album, you sell it through iTunes, you make a little bit of money off of it. Make a little bit of money off Spotify plays and things like that too. But you don't make a ton of money. Marissa, how do you make a ton of money? Boring. Yeah. You gotta have some shows, right? Oh but when no, you're doing, kids bop when you're doing when you're doing kids bop, you just have literally anonymous kids <laughs> coming in and singing songs for the first like I I, I'm just going to approximate, say, like, the first 16 albums. There's just kids coming in singing them. It's not even the same kids for every song. It's just kids sing this song, which works out great business-wise because it doesn't that, – that kid could be a little shit. Nobody knows because they're yeah. never going to meet the kid. It's just he sings the song and you move on. Um, but then they started to realize that, yeah, it wasn't monetizing enough. And so what they needed to do was not, of course, just produce shows, but to produce, quote, a live experience that kids could take part in. Uh, and so, yeah, they, what they started to do is they had groups of five and they would do talent searches to create a unit of kids that would represent the kids, Bob kids. I know that sounds redundant, but I'm like, 98% yeah. sure that's what they're called, the okay. Kids Bop Kids. And so they travel around the country uh, and, yeah, make some money. But their contract is only three years because they're just kids and we need to have more kids. So you're going to grow up and you're going to age out of Kids Bop. And uh, after three years, they, they make five new kids. <laughs> they find five <laughs> new kids. They're on their third iteration now. And one of the interesting aspects of that is um, – Kids Bop started in 2001. It is currently 2017. Let's pretend you were five years old the first time you heard Kids Bop in 2001. You are potentially a parent now who grew up on Kids Bop, wow. and you can't wait to share Kids Bop with your kids so that you can bond over horseshit music. <laughs> so, <laughs> Does Kids Bop change the lyrics ever? Yes, and that's okay. one of the uh, contentious situations when it comes to working with... Uh, with these particular groups i'm trying to find yes just because uh i mentioned it already uh he in in uptown funk bruno mars says stop wait a minute fill my cup put some liquor in it and later in it he says i'm too hot hot damn can't say damn that's wrong yeah in the kids bob version they say stop wait a minute fill my cup put some water in it it's very healthy very hydrating uh, I'm too hot, hot yeah. Okay. That's not actually a fantastic example, but it's the one that I have right in front of me. Um, there are actually some uh, hilarious ones, the most notable and famous of which seems to be, uh, is it Thrift Store or Thrift Shop by Macklemore and Ryan Lewis from a few years ago? Is his name Ryan Lewis? I don't, I actually I don't, don't know anything know. about. Uh, but they made ample substitutions in that song because even though the words themselves weren't terribly offensive, the context in which they were used like, was offensive. Like something example. about, oh, they said something smelled like R. Kelly's sheets. Oh, gross. Uh, which is gross. And then in the Kids Bop version, they said. That's 
In the kids' bot version, they changed it to uh, "It smells like my dirty cleats" or something like that from <laughs> playing sports. Yeah. So. <laughs> I wish it just smelled like R. Kelly's cleats. <laughs> that would be better. <laughs> they have this band of uh, four kids going around now. I am looking at a Bloomberg article. How Kids Bop Took Over the Music Industry from 2015. It's a comprehensive and pretty-to-look-at article because of their graphic design on the website. But the more notable and more recent development is that Kids Bop has moved to the UK. Oh. And that is where I read the headline that Victoria Beckham and Nicole Kidman are fans. This might be a little cruel. Oh. But there's four people in the band right now. Can you guess... One of their names. British children? We have a, a group of them that are British, and we have a group of them that are American. So I'm, I'm guessing an American or a British name? Whichever. I'm just leaving it open to you. You can pick. Um, tough it. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to give it to you because one of them is Twinkle. <laughs> oh, my God. Wait, these are the real names, though, right? Twinkle is 11, and she has a musical theater background. She performed on stage in Matilda in 2016. Good for her. I was trying to get you to pick some of the douchier names, like Ashton. Oh, and 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 Panzer. Ashton and Ashlyn. Both? And, and Grant. Well, Ashlyn is in the American group. Uh, Ashton. And Trevor. Yeah, I'm sure Trevor has been one over the years. Okay. Um, but I thought Lois is the funniest named one. Sounds <laughs> like an old lady name. Yeah, and I'm not I'm not knocking you, Lois, if you if you find this and you're listening to it or your fans send you to our podcast. I'm not knocking Both you. I just think you have a, I just think you have a fun name. I don't. I have never met a human being named Lois in my life, and it would be a pleasure to meet you. Um, I hope yeah. a twelve year old isn't listening. <laughs> Matt illustrates his own comic books and is perfecting special effects makeup. So you see, uh, and then there's Grant. Grant taught himself piano by watching YouTube videos and loves soccer. Seven, you should be like eating pie and playing Yu-Gi-Oh. But here's the here's the scary part of it, right? I'm gonna paraphrase, but basically the gist was. Oh, here we are. One of the people who kind of curates and manages the people, everything like that, says uh, Ashlyn is really hard on herself. She doesn't ever want to look unprofessional. So you got a 12-year-old girl walking around beating herself up on stage uh, so that she can be the perfect pop star for Kids Bop. That's disgusting. Uh, But what I find more disgusting is that same person uh, went on to say... Basically, um, the difference between these kids today and in 2013 when they were brand new is tremendous. They're so professional now. So this is a, this is at towards the end of their three-year contract um, because this particular piece was from 2015. But yeah, so they're kind of breeding these kids to be performers. And, you know, I don't know. I'm with you. I think they should be... What is it, eating pie and playing Yu-Gi-Oh? <laughs> yeah, yes. I, I will admit, I I swear this was totally innocent. I was thinking of the nursery rhyme. I was going to say they should have their finger in a pie, like the kid who stuck his thumb in the pie. Remember? Yeah. Stick his thumb in a pie and has a prune in it. Or Jack Horner? 
yeah, so anyway, they end up doing, uh, you know, yeah, complicated choreography, and they got to learn all this singing, and they have shots from them backstage, and none of them are smiling. <laughs> and, and And it's not, I, it's not because they look sad, but they're, like, in the zone, and, you know, they're sort of being herded from place to place. So it certainly doesn't look like a happy life, but I bet these kids are, like, rolling in money, and their parents love them to death. Yeah. Um, Ooh, I'm but, them right now. How old are they? Uh, they seem to range from max 13 down to possibly 10, 11. Okay. So you have sort of a, a short period of time in there. Uh, the other thing that, again, listeners, I'm sorry, uh, that I can't find the information on is uh, there were five stars in that particular group of Kids Bop stars, but now there's only four. One girl left quote, to pursue other professional interests. Oh, shut up! <laughs> Except here's the thing. They go, um, and the rest of the kids gelled so well, we didn't even bother to replace her. <laughs> so oh. how would you like to be that? You're the person in Kids Bop who goes, you know what, I'm leaving because this is wrong, and I don't like being carted around the country like this. I need to focus on my education. And they go, you know what, bitch, we don't need you. Get out of here. <laughs> All that said, sales machine. Um, Kids Bop 1 through 6, I believe, and 17, they're the only ones out of the 36-plus releases that have not debuted in the top 10. Wow, that's crazy. So it is definitely a powerhouse money-wise, and uh, yeah, it's it's crazy. Um, here's one, Kids Bop 24. Hit stores July 16th, sold 62,000 albums in the first week. So, yeah, I think um, I could imagine the light of being in the car and maybe having my cute kid in the back seat. I look in the rear view and they're singing along and having a great time. Except I think I would have a hard time separating that light from the dark of some kid being woken up at the crack of dawn to do some radio promotion so that they can play at a local theater in, you know, Poughkeepsie, New York, or something like that. I think what I'm trying to say is there's light and dark to everything. Magic, kids bop, everything around you has a light and a dark. <laughs> so I think everyone would agree that that's a little bit of a stretch, but we'll accept this. <laughs> <laughs> Any plugs? <laughs> plugs? Plugs is that, guys. I'm back in my jam. Uh, I'm doing neo-Victorian advice and, and nonsense over at Courtship of Veneer uh, on Instagram. That's at Courtship of Veneer, V-E-N-E-E-R. And um, watch Riverdale, people. Also, uh, I would plug Riverdale out of apology uh, because I believe I ruined yesterday's episode for Marissa. Yeah. That was a crucial moment. <laughs> because I was yet again trying to watch the show and complaining to Marissa, who could not watch the show live. That's the visual, you. The visual you story. You advantage of your white <laughs> Of having cable. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Well, guys, we hope you enjoyed Dark Magic, Light Magic, and uh, Kids Bop. And Dark Kids Bop, Light Kids Bop. Mm-hmm. I really yes. want to make it work. <laughs> so be sure you tell those truths to everyone you know. Hey, everybody. It's been a nice show. Thanks for listening. We appreciate you guys. 
Have you can call night. us at 570-POD-WOD-1. Uh, you can find us at yallher.me. And, uh, yeah, we recently improved our web player, and uh, we also got on Google Play as well as uh, Apple Podcasts. So grow with us. See you next week. Bye. 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 Bye.